Hello lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and uh, we are talking Wrestle Queerdom today on the show. Obviously, uh, that event went down on Saturday night. As we are recording this, uh, we're just about 15 minutes removed from the uh, conclusion of the broadcast here. And, uh, of course, this event is historic uh, for its uh, for its nature, really, because this is the first North American pro wrestling event exclusively populated by uh, trans, non-binary, and gender-diverse, and gender-non-conforming as well, uh, wrestling talents. Everybody from the wrestlers in the ring to the referees uh, to the ring announcer, uh, and at least for part of the show tonight, uh, commentary as well. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll get to that, though, at some uh, later on in the show. Um, but here to uh, discuss the show and all of the other... Uh, events that came up that, that occurred in the lead up to it uh, that are part of the conversation around Russell Queerdom as well. Uh, please welcome back my uh, lovely fiance KC to the show. How are you doing, KC? I am adequate. <laughs> Sorry, I said that real quiet. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. I mean, we look, we. We're going through it right now. We've got a lot of stuff on our plate. <laughs> yeah. So Two weeks out from our wedding. Yeah. Super excited. Very excited. Also very sleepy. <laughs> very, very sleepy. Very tired. Very uh, all-consuming. But that's why Russell Queerdom coming along uh, this weekend was a bit of a respite from all of that. You know, we get to sit down for three hours with a uh, pro wrestling show that speaks to our community of course you know both both of us uh, are uh, non-binary so obviously this a show like this would hold uh, a special place in in my heart I, I don't know if you would say the same Casey I don't want to speak for you so <laughs> well I mean wrestling definitely has a much deeper meaning for you uh, just having it uh, been part of your life you know entire life um so you know there is a little bit of a deeper meaning for you than i think um i can totally relate to however um i was looking forward to this show because i remember you asking me if we wanted to try going to the actual event live Um, yes yes but it yeah just uh we just, weren't able to make that work, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, being so close to the wedding and, you know, how crazy expensive uh, plane tickets are right now and being on the West Coast and everything. Yeah, that, it just it just wasn't going to work out for us to be in New Hampshire uh, on Saturday to take in that show live. But it was uh, still super exciting. Yes. Watching it at home. Oh, for sure. For sure. It was a really awesome event to take in. And it did have a lot of meaning for me, just, you know, seeing my people, as always. Um, (laughs) Got to see a lot of people I recognized, and then a lot of people from the Northeast that I haven't seen before. 
So that was really nice. Yeah, I was very uh, pleased with the the array of talent that we saw, whether advertised or not, uh, on the show. Because there were some, obviously, some changes as we are going to get into uh, before we discuss the full event. Because, as I said in the very long uh, Twitter post that I put up um, on Friday, like kind of announcing what the plans were and, and kind of monitoring the situation right going into the weekend with Russell Queerdom and Transgraps, uh, the the, organ- the brand or organization that was uh, behind the event. Uh, there's obviously a lot to get into. Uh, all that um, you can't really talk about Russell Queerdom without talking about that stuff because of the impact that it has had. Um, so I guess the way we want to structure this show is we're gonna. I, I would like to discuss the the preamble as I've been calling it in our conversations um, to Russell Queerdom on Saturday, which kind of all kicked off on Thursday um, whenever uh, a series of tweets were uh, put out um, uh, by Sally, who runs Transgraps, uh, who had uh, Vinny, who wrestled in the main event of Russell Queerdom, very well-known uh, trans wrestler from Japan, very, very well-known. Um, who was staying at her house uh, f- during her stay here uh, in the U.S. You know, I saw, um, obviously, a lot of people kind of took umbrage with, with that fact, but, um, you know, that that's something that we can definitely get into after we kind of get the facts out of the way of everything. But the, the series of tweets came out after um, Vinny and, and Sally had uh, gone to a restaurant to eat, and uh, Vinny, like, had eaten, they went back to uh, Sally's place, and Vinny fell asleep, and then Sally put out a number of tweets on both the Transcraps account and her own personal account, kind of um, almost like observing or documenting um, Vinny while she was asleep, uh, mixed in with some other tweets just about, uh, according to Sally, general stress around putting the show together um, because there have been some complications that have come up, some cancellations due to health and travel concerns and that sort of thing. Um, but once those tweets were seen by um, by people on Thursday, uh, the, the, I guess you could say the proverbial shit hit the fan. Um, you know, a lot of people um, started criticizing Sally for the nature of those tweets. Uh, you know, there was a lot of bad faith arguments made around there, like... The internet will always take an uh, opportunity to use something like this to spread transphobic and homophobic um, garbage on- online. So obviously that was there. There's also a lot of talk about Sally being predatory, quote unquote, in, in through this. And I don't necessarily personally get that vibe from this. Uh, does not make it any less odd or weird or unprofessional, you know, um, we were talking a bit about this um, while it was kind of going down over the last couple of days about the nature of the relationship there that you have. Because, like, yes, while Sally and Vinny may be friends, like, in the instance of this show and why Vinny is here, that relationship takes on a different dynamic. Um, I don't know if you had any thoughts around that right now. Well, I remember just feeling weird about the power dynamics um 
mm-hmm. with Sally putting on the show and um, then essentially being an employee. Um, that's why it's weird to me. Um, but I also don't know much in terms of background, like with their relationship, yeah. like their, their personal relationship outside of wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for, for what it is worth, you know, Vinny put out a tweet saying that she was fine and that, the, that she was, you know, safe. And, you know, according to Sally, you know, I reached out to Sally, um, and, you know, according to her, like, you know, Vinny didn't understand why people were reacting the way that they were because to them it was like she was tweeting out inside jokes which i mean for me i think the separation is the personal twitter account versus the business yeah i mean that is definitely one one thing that that is a topic of up for discussion here obviously but i also feel like you know whether it's inside jokes like that sort of stuff you have to understand the context that the internet is going to take things by um that they don't understand exactly what you're putting out there and even if those are inside jokes like look twitter's not probably not the place for that to happen um and you open yourself up to the criticism that comes from from these sort of things whenever you do do that and you know i i personally find um some of the more um precisely focused criticism of Sally uh, completely valid. I have the same criticisms about the situation that I have voiced to her. Um, You know, it's, and it would also be a separate thing if this wasn't just another cycle of like a repeated pattern that we've seen from Sally with the Transcraps account specifically, which goes back to your point about tweeting from the brand account versus the personal account, you know. Um, you know, I know I follow the Transcrap account closer th- than you do, um, and, but... I have a Twitter account, but <laughs> I don't remember the password again. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've seen this this cycle of, of Sally kind of shitposting um, and then apologizing once stuff gets out of hand and once there's like some dogpiling stuff starts to happen and things get out of out of hand with what um she is putting out there from the transcripts account stuff that definitely doesn't belong on the transcripts account um i would think from a professional point of view uh apologizing and then saying that she's taking a break and then we'll come back and and learn to be more professional about handling transcripts account and we've seen that cycle happen multiple times um up until this time now um i don't know what do you have any any thoughts about about the situation that we've seen thus far um i don't mostly just you know being kind of outside the situation like i don't really know that past history Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know i'm glad the show was still able to happen you know, I'm I'm hoping that Sally's like reflecting on what happened and that, you know Yeah. Others are as well if if people have been like abusive in their response 
Um, I don't know what kinds of responses there have been, but just, you know, knowing the internet, I just assume that there's probably some level of abusive responses out there. So there definitely have been, but I think the more like healthy responses have been, um, you know, focused on the the unprofessional nature of everything. Um, the power dynamic present there, um, you know, uh, and I'll be real, like having that cycle repeat itself multiple times has caused the transcraps kind of brand as a whole to lose a lot of cachet with a lot of people in pro wrestling as well. You know, we mm-hmm. saw what happened with, um, I, I've seen multiple people that are involved in, you know, production of pro wrestling shows, um, tweet, uh, or like tweet or put out statements, you know, calling out transcraps again for, for how unprofessional that was and, and understand, especially considering that, you know, before it was just Sally tweeting about people. This is about, this is about Sally tweeting this stuff out about someone who she has contracted to wrestle on a show that she promote that she's promoting. She has stepped into a different role uh, in the pro wrestling world with this show. And when you step into a new role like that, it takes a new, it takes on new standards that you need to really, really apply to yourself. Um, so yeah, it just, it just felt like, uh, this situation is just kind of brought back a lot of, uh, negative feelings that people have had just because of the cycle that we have seen from, from transcripts, not to mention, you know, a lot of criticism of the account and Sally of kind of wanting to kind of like centering themselves as like the voice of the trans community in pro wrestling. Mm. You know, I, I don't know how far I would go to say that Sally has done that. There's definitely been messaging around similar stuff like that, um, in the past here and there. But, um, at the same time, like your brand is called Transgraps, and you're the only person in leadership there. Um, it's a valid criticism to make. And, and we saw, people kind of use that as well as, as part of their response, mm. a, ver- a very valid response to make sure that, you know, no one voice represents an entire community in the pro wrestling space. Right. You know? Right. So a lot of valid criticisms um, across the board for what happened with, with the Vinny situation there. Once we got past that, we saw Max the Impaler uh, pull out of the event um, very publicly mind you, kind of calling out Sally for the way that that announcement was made. Um, you know, from to my knowledge, from, from what I have uh, seen from sources and from Sally herself, like, it seems like there, from Sally's side, there was a miscommunication there in terms of the messaging uh, about, you know, whether there was a health issue there or if it was just a simply cut off don't want to do business anymore max made it emphatic uh publicly on twitter that it was uh at least to them it was about um not wanting to do business with transcraps anymore with sally anymore um so yeah like that just that has become another uh discussion topic in this whole situation um and yeah it's just it if you had, I think a lot of people on Friday night had a lot of questions as to whether whether the show was going to happen or not. 
myself. Yeah, I mean, you weren't sure. Yeah, myself included. Like you know, like I said in the in the the post that I put up on Friday, uh, talking about this show, this episode in particular. Like I said, I reached out to Sally for comment. I did not know if I was going to hear back anything from from her. You know, I I I spoke with other people who had knowledge about the goings on with the event. And, you know, there were questions from, from those people as well. You know, there, it seemed like there was still a lot up in the air, and Sally had basically gone radio silent on all the social accounts outside of the Transcripts Discord at that point um, after those both, both those situations kind of blew up on Thursday. So there wasn't a lot of messaging around there uh, to, to know exactly, but, you know, I spoke with Sally eventually on Friday, um, you know, I confirmed the funding for the show, so uh, everybody um, should be getting paid. I know that was a lot of that was a, a lot, uh, featured in a lot of criticism of the show Friday night, um, and you know, it it really seemed like uh, when I talked to Sally that the show was still going to happen, and obviously it did because we're here to talk about it now. But um, there was a lot of uh, stuff that was that was still being a little bit ironed out kind of leading up to it you know financing was secured the production team that she originally had on backed out um short notice and so you know luckily she got a team from iwtv i think the team that normally works with beyond wrestling to come out and run production for the show so which means that the show is going to be going up on iwtv at some point in the near future also the camera work looked amazing like yeah. i did not realize that this was like the first show that transcripts was putting on yeah yeah production worked out very very well yeah like having that that beyond team knows what they're doing they run like a live show weekly up there in in uh in um massachusetts so they know what they're doing when it comes to that infrastructure there so that was a very they, sally lucked into a very very good team <laughs> there um yeah they so, got a lot of really good shots of people yeah yeah, it was it was really good, but um, when I talked to Sally on Friday, it seemed like you know it was all all steam ahead, you know, and that kind of led us into Saturday, where we have the show now to talk about. Uh, was there anything else from the uh, the kind of like lead up to the show that was on your mind before we move on to Russell Queerdom itself? Um, no, not ne- necessarily. Just I guess transitioning like um there's a lot of mixed feelings especially after uh what was going on thursday and friday um yeah but i also was still really excited for the show um yeah so and i think that's the main reason why i wanted to continue doing this episode of the show is because you know the show itself is more about, for me, per, at least in my perspective, it's more about the people that are on the show. It's about the right. wrestlers and having them featured and having them get the spotlight um, mm-hmm. that, that they did uh, and take advantage of that spotlight, which uh, a number of them did, I will say. <laughs> um, I think the last thing that I really want to talk about for the lead up here is that, um, you know, after the Vinny stuff happened, uh, Sally put out a statement saying, you know, once again, that she was going to be taking a indefinite hiatus from the Transcraps account uh, after this show and pro wrestling as a whole after the show. Um, obviously, we, like I said before, 
we've seen the pattern. We've seen this happen before with Sally. Um, and it's not that long after that she has, comes back. I feel like this might be a little bit different um, in a way. And it's probably a good thing for Sally. It's probably a good thing for Transcraps as a brand or an idea that there is a bit of a uh, step back right now just because of everything that has happened. Like, I've... Because... The idea of Transgraps, whenever it started, and and what it's tried to uphold, despite some of the issues that we've seen with the account, it's always been trying to create an inclusive space for trans and gender diverse people to have in pro wrestling. Um, you know whether some of that self importance kind of got in the way of of a lot of things, um, or you know, I don't know. Um, obviously Sally has not handled the position of leadership with, with Transgrab super well. And I think taking a long break from this and just kind of letting herself mature and, and grow and explore why there was so much criticism levied at her, um, specifically through not just this, but the, the past, like four to five months, you know, I think is a, a good thing, a good growth procedure for her. Um, and at the same time, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for, for Sally or Transgraps or Russell Queerdom even at this point. But um, we do know one thing and that is that we got a pretty cool show out of it this time around. Um, but like I said, you can't talk about the show without talking about everything else around it because like there's a lot of um lost faith in in transcripts as a brand around this there's a lot of people that didn't even know the show was still happening mm -hmm. because they just automatically thought that it wasn't going to happen because of this i've seen you know people on twitter like taking dunks at, at the show the, comparing it to like dash con like the failed tumblr con from a while back because they thought that it was going to be that kind of a, a shit show. Luckily it wasn't, but you know, it just, I think that taking a beat and taking a moment away from, from this and trying to learn and grow and understand more about what led to this is the best thing for also Sally. play up strengths. Like, you know, the arc, the, the show itself was great. There there were still some hiccups and things that we will talk about that. Yeah. You know, I was frustrated by, but overall, like the action was great. Yeah. And like, I definitely want to see that again, but, um, you know, play up your strengths, get help with some of the weaknesses, weak spots for you. Yeah. I think that is a valuable, valuable lesson to, to learn and one that I think everyone learns at some point in their life. And I hope that that's one of those that they, that she can internalize coming out of this as well. Um, but yeah, like, I guess that's, we can leave that there for right now. Um, I don't know if there's anything else we need to cover in the lead up to it. So let's take a break real quick and then we will come right back and we'll get into the actual show.
Russell Queerdom. All right, Yens. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at LGBT RingPod. You can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. And if you're into video games, definitely check out my video game news show, the Mr. Video Game Super Show. I co-host that with uh, Twitch streamers Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over on twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. All right, so let's get into the show proper here uh, from uh, Milford, New Hampshire, Russell Queerdom, the first of its kind. Uh, we opened up the show with uh, Shay McCoy versus Aiden Von England yes. now uh, in a moment that I think was perfect for one of the first images that you see from Russell Queerdom. Um, Aiden entered... Uh, the arena there uh, and took the mic right out of uh, Brandon Hamilton's hand and uh, made the announcement. Uh, basically they're coming, uh, her, uh, his coming out as a uh, trans man, uh, Aiden Von England. Yes. Uh, and new look. Awesome. Uh, new gear as well. That makes you remember the fact that he is a trans man uh, says Aiden and he him. Yes. You cannot miss it. It is <laughs> blanket right there. Um, so Shay and, and Aiden had a uh, pretty good, like back and forth here. A lot of uh, really good uh, strikes, which I think fits both of their styles very, very well for what they're known for. Uh, you know, uh, unfortunately Aiden does suffer the loss in, in his debut as uh as a trans man, uh, you know, Shay getting the roll up as well as uh, pulling the tights for leverage and getting a nice little like heel moment there. Um, but really this, this whole match is really s uh, surmised by the moment of Aiden um, coming out to the ring and, and coming out for the first time, just the roar of the crowd, the, uh, the exhilaration, the acceptance. And you could see it was a very, very emotional moment for Aiden. Right. Yeah. 
yeah, I appreciated just seeing that, of course. Um, this was also what one of the areas of frustration of mine, because when he was coming out, I was like, I wonder what their pronouns are. I wish they had put them up on the name placard. Yeah. Um, obviously, he made it quite clear anyway. Um, but that was kind of a running theme for me throughout the show, just generally. Mm-hmm. Um, because there were a lot of times when I wish I'd known the talent's pronouns um, beforehand. Um, just because, again, this is a an event by and for trans and non-binary people. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I completely agree with you. I was surprised that they did not put the pronouns on the Chirons on the nameplates there during entrances. Obviously, that became a major point of contention for some people watching the uh, the online broadcast, you know, with commentary. Uh, of course, the, the first half of the show was uh, commentated by Eddie McQueen and Love Doug, um, which, to my understanding, was a very, very last minute uh, move. Uh, Eddie volunteered to do commentary uh, because, you know, they, were, they just wasn't... This was one of the areas of disorganization. Yeah, yeah this was probably the, the most visible area of, of disorganization with the show, which, you know, you're going to run into that with a first-time promoter, especially someone that um, didn't partner with other established promoters in putting this show together. Um, you know, I know that there have been some, con- some consultation with people, a lot of like asking questions, but in terms of like actually like putting together everything, Sally did, you know, the majority, if not all of it by herself. So you're going to run into stuff like this, but this match and the next match, which we can go ahead and jump into here, Zeke Mercer against, uh, Eros Drifter, uh, which was originally Zeke Mercer versus Richie Coy, but Richie Coy could not, make the event due to uh, travel issues, to my understanding. So, um, you know, this was a a match of two non-binary individuals. And the, I think this was probably the match that had the most glaring issues when it came to the the pronoun stuff on commentary uh, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because both, you said both. Wrestlers virtually, they use they, them pronouns. Yeah. And I fell into that trap, too. And I was like, once again, I wish that their pronouns were listed. Yeah. And I don't know, like, what information was provided to Eddie and and, and Doug on commentary there. And I'm assuming because it was so last minute. Very little. A lot. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, I... Yeah. And But the match itself was a lot of fun. Like, you got to see... I like whenever Zeke gets to show more of their personality. Because, you know, they are known for being, you know, kind of serious, straightforward a lot of the time, but they do have a very, like, humorous streak in them, as evidenced by the, the, their loud mouth in this match, and the multiple times that they went into the crowd and just sat in the front row, facial expressions throughout a lot of the stuff, like, it was just really cool, and shout out to Eros for, you know, stepping up last minute to take that, that match, 
there. Um, just really cool to see Eros, of course, you know, fighting out of the Limitless Dojo out of Maine. Um, you know, a, a growing name in, in that region for pro wrestling. So um, really cool to see them get the opportunity there. Zeke gets the win um, in the end uh, after <laughs> Eros answers the open challenge. What about you, Casey? Did you have any uh, other thoughts on, on the match itself? Um, I think this was the match where I was really noticing the camera work just because it was picking up on Zeke's awesome facial expressions. Um, yeah. Yeah, overall, uh, no other strong thoughts, though. Like I said, this was this was also one of the matches where I was kind of reflecting on, like, how many new people I was seeing. Um, like, it makes sense why you're able to fit so many people on the QWI. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't just, I, I don't know where they're coming from. But... <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're everywhere and there are more <laughs> every day, every day in the pro wrestling world. Um, moving on to the next match, we had our first of a sort of like, I guess you could say a one-night mini-tournament in a way uh, because the Paris' Bumping Grand Prize Championship was on the line as Candy Lee flew in from New Zealand to defend against Giselle Shaw of Impact Wrestling, who just a, a little over a month removed from coming out as a, a transgender woman um, back during Pride Month, coming to wrestle queerdom. And taking it to Candy Lee in a way that Candy Lee would not see until uh, she she stepped in the ring with Sunny Kiss later on in this night. Because obviously the winner of this match would go on to face Sunny, um, and Candy came out on top. Uh, what were did you have any uh, thoughts about the match there? Well, I was just really excited to see Candy Lee again. Um, I really enjoyed seeing her at Pride and Vibe. So. Uh, it was just the treat watching her defend. Um, yeah, I mean, I was excited to see. Uh, oh, Lord, I can't speak. I was excited to see Candy as well. You know, obviously, Pride of Vibe Weekend was a huge moment uh, for her, finally coming back to the States for the first time, winning that grand prize championship in uh, the first all trans film main event in pro wrestling history there. Um, and yeah, like that, this match really let Candy show a different side of her in a way because she was in the ring with someone like Giselle Shaw, who, you know, is a proven, uh, uh, wrestler striker, um, you know, has held world championships in, uh, multiple, uh, major UK promotions, you know, rev pro and progress who has been doing uh, really, really well for herself since coming to impact earlier this year. And someone who's like, um, dynamic in the ring, like brings, something a little bit different out of candy that we saw, you know, just sell. I remember like just seeing some of the, like those, the kicks that she was landing and, and some of the, the intensity that was there um, was really awesome to see, which, you know, you do see in, in out of candy too, but candy also is, you know, very humorous as well. Mm-hmm. Likes to have fun in the, in the ring too, but candy can fucking go. And she proved it with, with this match here. I think that they, worked really really well together i would love to see a rematch at some point and it was just really cool to see giselle get this moment too you know like she came out right uh right around toronto pride 
you know, when she was there and at Toronto Pride to kind of have that moment. But this is the first time that she's been on one of these style of shows that is specifically run by and for the queer community um, in a way. And it was just really cool to have see her have this moment, too, for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was interesting, again, seeing her for the first time. I do think that she and Candy really played off each other really well throughout the match. And then, of course, just I know at Pride and Vibe, it was also just like two days of tons of wrestling. But, you know, again, wrestling two times in one night to um, defend your uh, grand prize. I also really just liked seeing that uh, sort of mini tournament, as you put it. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Candy gets the win. Obviously, we'll move on to t- face Sunny Kiss, and we will get to that match in a moment. But before we do, we gotta talk about this battle royal that we saw, or this yes. r- or rumble, whatever you want to call it. It's gone through different permutations. Originally, it was <laughs> it was the Uno battle royal as a playoff of the Casino battle royale that AEW likes to do. Um, you know, obviously with some talent cancellations, stuff got shifted around. It turned into the uh, uh, Russell Queerdom Rumble match where we had uh, a number of uh, talents enter the ring and, you know, just this match devolved into just off-the-wall antics. Uh, that I'm not saying that as a derogatory thing either. I, I love it whenever you just have something break out into something completely different and, <laughs> and do something completely different in a way. All kind of started off by Coda Holiday coming out with a door um, and entering herself into this match and promising to send someone through said door <laughs> by the end of the match. Um, what were what were your takeaways from from this one? Um, just overall, uh, this was a really fun match, mostly because like I didn't know who would be coming out, um, so that was just generally a surprise. Um, and I was not expecting to see Mariah Moreno. No one was, I think. Because I, Mariah had been advertised for the, the Transcripts Hall of Fame ceremony as being the first inductee into that. Mm-hmm. But no one thought that we were going to see Mariah Moreno in the ring. Yeah, I thought she was retired. Yeah. Obviously, like, you know, she did announce her retirement. Um, uh, back just a few days before Pride and Vibe weekend in June, you know, and because I don't keep up with things, I didn't realize that <laughs> she came back. Yes, I mean, well, she, it, whenever she had been advertised for the um, LA Rumble at, at Santino Bros, um, uh, I want to say a week or so ago, and you know that was kind of being advertised as like one last ride in a way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even with her coming back for for that appearance in particular, like still, I don't think anyone thought that Mariah was going to be entering a match on this show. And that is obviously what came to be because, you know, we there was one final entrant at the end of this, which we should go through the entrance oh, also yeah. as well, because it started off with Coda Holiday and Nick Pierce, which awesome oh, to see yes. Nick get another get another uh, spot here. Uh, the former hot ref, uh, <laughs> Nick Pierce, getting in there. Uh, we also had uh, Sazzy Boatwright, of course, 
um, which was awesome to see. Uh, we had Cheryl from the Boston League of Wicked Wrestlers, which is a company that if you have not checked out their stuff, do it. Just go. They, I know they have a lot of their stuff up uh, VOD through their website. Just search Blow Boston and uh, you will <laughs> find it. Um, Blow with two W's. And uh, they, that is a company that is like populated and run by a whole lot of uh, queer women and non-binary people and um, trans uh, people as well. They're up in Boston. Uh, you know, it's it's just an awesome company to check out. But it was really cool to see Cheryl because you know Cheryl had not been advertised, and you know she was the or um, they were the only representative from Blow on this show was that was really cool to see uh joan jetson of course uh along with uh mission control out there and of course cameron saturn of uh shooters don't die tag team partner of don't die miles uh current currently one half of the paradigm pro wrestling tag team champions also (laughs) um and then of course all kept off by mariah which the mariah's entrance was saved for coda holiday went the distance Thought that she had won the whole match after we saw a uh, track meet in the middle of the match oh my God. with Cameron Saturn and Nick Pierce running around the entire building, but Coda Holiday cheating to win the race. <laughs> um, you know, we saw just a lot of just shenanigans. Shenanigans, yes, a lot of antics in this match. Uh, ultimately, leaving uh, Coda Holiday is the only person in the ring thinking she had won, but. Then the music hit, and then Mariah came out full on uh, Kitana style for Mortal Kombat and put Coda through a door, <laughs> put Coda through the door that Coda promised to put somebody through, and then threw her out of the ring and claimed that victory for herself. Wins the Rumble, um, has an awesome moment afterwards with the mic, making sure that everybody remembers her name and remembers. The, the legacy that she has in this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was kind of the first half of the show. Um, what do, did you have any additional thoughts on the, the rumble before we kind of move on to the second half? I don't really have too many other thoughts. Um, like I said, I thought it was a strong start to the show. Um, there were, issues of course um particularly around pronouns and um like disorganization i could definitely forgive and everything um but in into the second half of the show they did make adjustments for that um which i did appreciate yeah yeah they definitely did because you know we went to intermersion intermersion intermission <laughs> And whenever we came back, we had a new commentary team. Uh, you know, Eddie and Doug kind of volunteered to step away from from the commentary booth just because, um, or at least to my knowledge, Eddie did. I don't I don't know uh, if Doug did did as well, but they felt bad about what was going on in making those mistakes, especially you know with it being so very very late notice that they were going to be in those positions and, and volunteering. And volu- it sounded like yeah. volunteering for the positions. Exactly. So Eddie made the choice to, to step away. Doug also stepped away from commentary and we got Coda holiday and Cameron Saturn on commentary um, for this match. The, the first match out of intermission, which was kid bandit versus don't die miles. 
um, which was uh, one of the matches of the night. Yes. Honestly. Uh, carrying on from the Rumble, a lot of antics in this match as well, along with the kind of uh, high-flying uh, styles of, uh, I think that a lot of people have come to expect from uh, Miles and, and Kid Bandit. Bandit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say shenanigans always expected with Kid Bandit. Yeah. Um, again, I really enjoyed seeing her femme side tonight, or last night when you were listening to this. Um, and I don't know, she's just uh, definitely one of my favorite up-and-coming wrestlers that we watch. Mm-hmm. No, Bandit, Bandit commands a, a, a room, and and this is awesome to see. Sorry, you're about to say something. Okay, um, yeah, Bandit, Bandit does command a room, and Miles is a perfect uh, person to kind of play off of that because Miles can fucking go. <laughs> number one and two uh, has a whole lot of personality to them um, that that really came out in this match as well. Whether it be like the the dueling spinneroonies or the you know Miles constantly trying to hit the worm. Uh, yes. and, oh fi- and finally hitting it. Um, uh, the one scary moment I think was that the, the dive from bandit on the outside, uh, early in the match where it looked like there was a big crash and burn there. Yeah. Which Cameron didn't quite show. Yeah. What so happened. I hope that bandit's okay. That nothing really got messed up there, but, um, you know, they just went back and forth and, and had a, a really hard hitting, um, very fluid, match i would say um you know bandit very very vocally getting into the spirit of the event as well you know calling on the audience to kind of send a lot of the of power and like channel the their emotions around like of the feeling oppressed and and uh you know feeling uh out of place and to channel it all into uh bandit's fist <laughs> so that they could punch miles in the face with it <laughs> <laughs> Um, in the end, my uh, bandit gets the win here uh, with uh, their variation of the one winged angel, uh, sort of a backbreaker variation of the one winged angel. There's a name for it that I do not recall at the moment, so I apologize, bandit. Um, and then after the match, of course, you know, bandit again, kind of taking a moment to kind of rally not just the crowd but also Miles specifically, because Miles there there have been uh, you know Miles wrestling in the the Midwest. There have been a number of times where Miles has run into situations with commentators um, and and other people in pro wrestling where pronouns aren't respected. Mm. Um, and you know, I think you know, Bandit taking a moment to kind of highlight that and and you know, amp up Miles in that moment after the match was really cool to see. Uh, yeah, just all around like a really feel good uh, match to come out of intermission with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then we move on to our next match, which is of course, Candy Lee defending for the second time against Sunny Kiss. Uh, this is also when we got our final permutation of the commentary desk because Cameron Saturn left <laughs> and Coda Holiday flew solo for the rest of the show, which I will take this moment now to say, Coda, you fucking killed it. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. The energy in the in the voice um just 
staying on top of everything like that is a tall task to take on even with like knowing that you're going to be a solo commentator going into an event much less jumping into that seat at intermission and then having an abruptly <laughs> turn <laughs> to you being a solo commentator for the rest of the evening so shout out Dakota Holiday for that she uh not only does she deserve more chances to get in the ring and face people that will murder her her body um, but also uh, get behind the mic on, on commentary. I think you've discovered a, another talent in the pro wrestling world that you have, Coda. Now that we've given Coda the shout-out, let's shout-out Candy Lee and Sunny Kiss because, whoo! Oh, my goodness, yes. It go, was, go for it. <laughs> it was just really nice to see Sunny Kiss outside of AEW. Yes. Um, mostly because... You actually get to see Sunny Kiss. Yeah, that is a very good point, yes, because you really haven't shown me a lot of Sunny Kiss from AEW. Not that I watch a lot of AEW specifically with you, um, so that was just real refreshing, um, as it was. And then just she and Candy Lee really vibed off each other as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Candy Lee's playful side really came out. Um No, it definitely, it definitely did. I mean, the multiple times that she went for that stink face in the corner and Sunny kept deflecting, kept deflecting out of the hip attack as well. You know, <laughs> like the, a lot of the matches was built around working to try and get that candy, getting that move in uh, to set up for ultimately the, the split ends finisher that, that she that she is known for. Um, but this was also a really fun match because we got to see a little bit of a different side of Sunny too. I was going to say... We got to see Sunny heal it up a little bit. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. No, 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 that that was all I wanted to say. Well, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Well, I just thought her wrestling style was also a little bit different than, Mm. um, it usually would be, um, what, 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 what specifically did you find as healy um like you know there was just like a little bit of like disrespect here and there like a little bit a little bit of shade obviously um but really it kind of derived from this different intensity that we see from that we've seen from sunny kiss if you have been seeing like sunny kisses matches on like aw dark and dark elevation the youtube shows You've seen a bit more of, you know, it's the same personality mm-hmm. from Sunny Kiss, but in the ring, a much more um, intense and uh, a bit vicious version of Sunny Kiss. And I think that's what you got during this match here because, you know, it was very much like Sunny Kiss, like, soaked in the moment of the match, you know, being in there with Candy, the Grand Prize Championships on the line, but then recognized, like, no, I. I am going to take this. Yes. <laughs> I am going to do this. And and it was just, I don't know, like, you still didn't have the crowd fully turn on Sunny because I... She's I, just iconic. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it was a different role for Sunny to play in, in this matchup against Candy. And it worked to a T. It worked really, really well. Um, we obviously, both of these uh, wrestlers used that split leg, uh, leg drop... Uh, off of the top rope as a, a finisher, um, different variations, but s- the same similar move. Um, so neither hit it during this match either. Mm-hmm. Uh, Candy gets the win with uh, with a roll up uh, and retains the title, uh, and you know the two celebrate together 
in, in the ring before ultimately uh, walking out of the building. So, <laughs> but yeah, like I, like I said, I was excited to see Sonny on this card. I was excited to see Sonny and Candy get a chance to, to chop it up. I, I really hope this isn't the last time that we see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just great stuff. Great stuff. Um, and I'm sure that uh, the uh, the Grand Prize Championship will be in good hands with Candy Lee. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see it defended again before Paris is bumping four, but <laughs> who knows? Who knows? We'll see. Um, that takes us to a kind of surprise uh, match that we didn't know we were going to get. Joan Jetson and Cheryl from the uh, the Rumble came back and had a nice little one-on-one contest that really felt like if you have watched blow matches before it, you could tell the influence a bit just from the way that Cheryl worked this and, and the way that the match was worked a bit um, more towards like the uh, theatric and storytelling side of stuff. But you know, I, it was at this point that I wrecked that I fully recognized where I knew Cheryl from. And I was like, Oh wow, she's doing this. And, I are they they're doing this so, sorry they're doing this and to my recollection like blow has not really run any or that many events since the beginning of the pandemic so it's like this is Cheryl's first time in a ring in a long time more than likely which is really cool to see and then doing two matches too mhm yeah shout out to Cheryl and Joan Jetson was was great here as well you know they mm-hmm. had a a fun back and forth, uh, messing up uh, Cheryl's sciatica in the middle <laughs> of the match uh, before Joan Jetson uh, hit the leg drop and got the, the pinfall uh, to put away Cheryl there. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts with these two uh, coming back out. It was just interesting seeing a slightly different style. Um, like, I hadn't really recognized it till you pointed it out just a little bit of the nuances between their more storytelling like style. Mhm. Which I mean to be fair, like Blow in in you know recent years has definitely it started out more of that that towards the theatrical and storytelling focus, but they've definitely worked more on on the wrestling side of stuff as well as evidenced by what we saw from Cheryl and my also surprise that like okay, we got one person from Blow, why didn't we get more people from Blow? That would have been awesome to see like people like Rat King or Punky Bruiser or you know some of the other uh, awesome people uh, over in Blow get get uh, a shot on this show. Queerosaurus Rex would have been cool <laughs> to see as well. So like yeah, it was just really it was I was just really happy to see Blow representation on this show, knowing where they were running the show at. And Joan, I feel like Joan is someone who um, more people should know about because she is just fun. She's just fun to watch, uh, and the the persona is spot on. Um, I mean, and she's also been kind of running uh, her own uh, queer focused shows out in the Denver area. Now, I think they just did the first uh, big queer launch uh, show back during Pride Month, and I'm hearing rumblings of a second one possibly. <laughs> so, just really cool to see that not only do you have a, a cool wrestler on the show, but another cool uh, queer creator in the wrestling space here as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that takes us to our main event. Vinny, Edith Surreal, the uh, international dream match, as it was coined yes. on, on the graphics there. Um, 
did not disappoint. It did not at all. Oh I mean, you know, God. I already love Edith Surreal as it is. Of course. And Vinny was somebody I hadn't been introduced to before. I did you? We've we I've definitely spoken to you about Vinny before. I I've definitely I know I've shown you a one or two Vinny matches. Okay. Um, you know, this was Vinny's North American debut. So this is the first time that she's ever wrestled wrestled in the US. Mm-hmm. Um and I do not think that she had that cute outfit on in any of the clips that you showed me before. No, I, she did not. <laughs> <laughs> but, but of course, Vinny, uh, her reputation kind of precedes herself. Like she is one of the most popular um, Joshi wrestlers, uh, freelance wrestlers over in Japan um, right now. You know, she's won championships and pretty much name any Joshi promotion outside of maybe Stardom, and she's been a champion there. She is a fixture of DDT. Um, just outstanding, all-around amazing talent. She was originally slated to make her North American debut back in 2020 at Effie's Big Gay Brunch, the very mm. first one that ultimately got canceled because of the pandemic. So this is like two years in waiting to finally get Vinny back into the States, and Russell Queerdom did it and put, it in, put her in the ring with Edith Surreal. And let me tell you, um, I knew, like, knowing Vinny's style and... And knowing like um, Edith's admiration for Vinny, mm-hmm. this was I felt like this match was going to lean into like a mixture of the more American style uh, technical wrestling and uh, Joshi style, uh, Jap- the Japanese style of uh, women of pro wrestling as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's what we got. <laughs> I mean, we got a lot of like technical work on the ground. We got. So many hard strikes, uh, so many strike exchanges in this match. Just these two women just beating on each other uh, and loving every minute of it, just taking it to one another back and forth. You know, we got to see a bit of Vinny's hardcore side from that DDT stuff mm-hmm. with uh, the fight outside the ring and spitting Coke into Edith's eyes, uh, which COVID, come on. Yes. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, just back and forth. So many awesome near falls in this match. They just took everybody on a journey for 15 minutes here, um, ultimately culminating in uh, Vinny hitting the moonsault that she has kind of been immortalized for in a lot of ways. It's a very, very graceful and majestic moonsault that she has. Uh, And getting the win over Edith. um, Yeah, just what what a fucking match. And I was definitely not expecting Edith to lose, but if she's going to get taken out, then I guess I will accept. I will accept it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that you have seen Vinny, though, like, what do you have any thoughts on, on Vinny? Um, I really liked her. Um, again, slightly different style, um, but that's not a bad thing. No, I know no. you've talked to you. You talked to me about showing um, some other areas of Japanese women's pro wrestling too. So, yeah, it sparks an interest. I can imagine. You know, um, you know, definitely have talked about going back and watching some all Japan women's, uh, some Stardom or some Tokyo Joshi Pro. So, yeah, and and. It was just, I don't know, it was just really awesome to see Vinny finally make that moment there. And to see Edith get that moment, too. Mm -hmm. You know, because Edith, 
you know, there's a reason why she is so highly revered, not just in queer pro wrestling circles, but in like greater pro wrestling circles as well. And Edith met the moment here against someone who has been, is a like widely known international talent the way that Vinny is. Um, and I don't know. I, I know I've said this about multiple matches already on this show, but I want to see it again <laughs> at some point. I want these two to link up again and, and, and have another match because like, it was just, it was just that damn good. Trust me. If you haven't, if you didn't watch the show, I know the VOD is still up on looped uh, right now. It's eventually going to come to IWTV somewhere down the line there. Dev, you, you are doing yourself a disservice if you do not at least go watch Edith Surreal versus Vinny from this show. It was just, it was so good. Yeah, overall, um, I had a lot of different feelings just watching it start to finish. Um, I was definitely excited at a lot of different aspects of the show. Um, and, you know, there were some frustrations too. Um, but, like, overall, the moments that stand out the most to me were definitely Aiden coming out as yeah. a trans man and Kid Bandit just really encouraging and uplifting mm-hmm. our community. Yeah, I mean, that's what this entire show was about. Mm-hmm. It was about showcasing our community in the pro wrestling world and uplifting and i feel like it accomplished its goal you know mm-hmm. you know despite everything that happened up to uh up up to the event and um you know the uncertain future about whatever transgraphs and wrestle queerdom is going to take on in in the future mm-hmm. um well, we can say that sally pulled off the show absolutely yes you know Trust me, there are many other criticisms to have about Sally, but Sally pulled off the show. Um, and, you know, in that, if this is the last thing that Transgraps does, I think that initial goal that was stated from when it was established back in December of last year to now, um, no matter like what other path Transgraps may have taken throughout that uh, time, which you know definitely are worthy of discussion and, and criticism, but that initial goal of highlighting the the trans community in pro wrestling, Russell Queerdom accomplished it. <laughs> so if this is the last thing that Transcraps ever does under that branding, if this is the last thing that Sally does under that branding, this is the last thing that Sally does in pro wrestling, that initial goal was at least accomplished in some way, shape, or form, um, and let the discussions and, and the uh, the criticisms of the rest of, of the issues with, with the brand and, and with Sally, you know, continue in, in another route. Obviously, those will continue, but for, at least for, for this show, there's very little left to be criticized, I feel. Yeah, the only thing I really can add is there is space both for feelings of discomfort and awkwardness from 
all the lead up. Yeah. To, you know, some of the frustration from the, you know, what happened during the show itself. But also the excitement and joy from the show overall. Like, there's space for all of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I let me rephrase what a little bit of what I said there. I said Sally pulled off the show. Sally and all of the people that were yes. in that ring and that were on camera and on microphone during the show, they pulled off this show. Yes. The, our community pulled off this show. Despite setbacks. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, shout out to the community. And a special shout out to Aiden Von England again. Just, oh God, it's just, oh, God damn it. Anyway, that's, uh, so that's Wrestle Queerdom. Any, any final, final thoughts before we wrap up here? I know you just kind of ran, th- went through some, but I, I, feel I like have just... one final thought. Okay. If you hear jingling in the background, it is our cat, Max, who is oh, attacking yes. his favorite toy that he likes to drag around the house. And it is adorable. Yes. Yes. It's how we know where he is at yes. in the house. <laughs> that is the most important thing and update about our cat. Yes. Yes, it is. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show, Casey. Uh, always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Yes. My thanks once again to Casey for coming on the show and talking about Russell Queerdom with me, uh, watching the show with me. Um, always fun whenever we get the chance to sit down and talk. And honestly, like this was a nice little respite from the uh, the home stretch towards wedding day that uh, we are currently on right now. So, um, yeah, Russell Queerdom is in the books, um, and you know we'll see where things go from here. You know, um, I don't know. It was a really awesome show that, you know, has a lot of stuff that needs to be sorted out around it. You know, we'll see what happens with Transcraps as a brand, what happens with Sally running it. You know, I I feel like if that brand does continue going forward uh, and we get more Russell Queerdom shows, it would definitely behoove sally to kind of expand leadership with the transcripts uh community and and really 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 internalize a lot of the um criticisms about how that uh account is run um especially on the social media side and really understand the the role that she is kind of taking on herself and, and understand what comes with that because, you know, professionalism is everything in the pro wrestling world and um, missteps are few, uh, given very, very few uh, to continue in, in this uh, landscape, really. So we will see uh, what um, occurs now that Russell Quirtum is in the rear view, uh, and, you know, there's just a, some unanswered questions, and we'll see, you know, who knows what transcripts will look like going forward, who knows what the kind of 
perception and, and reception of a uh, of of transcraps may be if it does continue uh, to uh, to operate, um, and if they can correct course and, and better understand how to exist in the pro wrestling world uh, as a brand, and really understand that you know there's not any quote the voice. Uh, for a certain community in pro wrestling, but you can always be a voice, a very prominent voice, um, potentially, you know, because, like, for as awesome as it was that this show did happen and went off uh, as well as it did, cannot stress enough that, you know, Sally is not the only trans promoter out there this is not the only event that celebrates um our community uh and you know transcripts and russell queerdom can definitely be a incredibly valued addition to the continued growth of of events uh that are run to celebrate our community uh, and highlight our community so i don't know we will see how how things work out. We'll see if uh, Sally learns from this. Who knows? But for now, Russell Queerdom is in the books. It's done. Uh, really standout stuff on the show. I, I know I've, I've said it multiple times, but again, uh, cannot express enough uh, excitement and happiness towards Aiden Von England after that moment to open the show. Just so good. So good. Um, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, come back next week. We will have another episode for you um, as we head into uh, the rest of the month. Um, and as we ha- keep going towards Cascadia, obviously that's coming up on September 11th in Everett, Washington. Uh, tickets are on sale there. BrainbusterTix.com slash Cascadia. Uh, we got more talent announcements and more match announcements coming down the line as well. It's going to be really, really cool. Um, but until we uh, meet again, y'all stay messy, wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated if at all possible, and a very happy belated birthday to one Nyla Rose. Bye! She made a deal with the 